when it's going well, that's great. But when there's a problem, that's the true test to know how strong is those relationships and is your direct banking partner able to work efficiently and effectively on your behalf. Welcome to Actualizing Success. In this podcast series, our in-house advisors discuss today's finance and technology topics with an emphasis on solutions that embrace tomorrow. Hello, today's podcast would be on bank relationship management. I'm Priscilla Nagali, and I have Sandra Shen with me. Both of us, we came from the banking industry, we've worked with banks, and we just want to share what we've seen, what could be helpful for our clients and the audience. So Sandra, I'll be asking a few questions, but I'll chime in as we go. So what is bank relationship management in your concept? Well, bank relationship management um, to me is all about the partnership that you need to have a successful uh, treasury operation. Um, it's really critical to the success and being able to be most efficient in your operation and your processes. And as a practitioner, I always look to those innovative bankers who are able to tell me what's coming up in the pipeline and also give me their commentary on um, what's happening in the world and how it's going to affect my treasury organization and the bank itself. That's a good point, right? Like you said, you have your bankers, you want to get that information. Why is it critical, right? What are all parts of banking relationship management that are important? On a day-to-day basis, from a treasury operations perspective, it's solving problems. You know, it's really important to have a great relationship with your customer service relationship manager, um, who is going to help you quickly understand uh, what is the issue for for a transaction that's not processing um, and or um, new transactions that you're trying to initiate um, with a new business partner or because of a new strategy that you're you're planning. Yeah, geography, right? I think what what we see, and you know, as, when I was a practitioner too, there were some great banks. We had good relationships, but the the geography, their footprint, wasn't aligned with my company, right? Any experience Absolutely. on that too? Have you seen that? What I've seen there is definitely a difference in the service levels when someone, uh, when a bank has an actual presence in the country that you're dealing with, or There can be differences with uh, different banking partners in the ability of them to negotiate well and have good strategic relationships themselves. So partners who are really prevalent around the globe aren't in every single country. Um, They have partnerships with other banks and there are differences with um, in the services that that the banks are able to provide with those different partner banks. And that really makes a big difference. If you are, some treasurers will go after having the local bank so that they have the direct relationship and there's efficiencies there. There's also efficiencies when you have one banking partner that will have those strong relationships um, themselves, but you're one step away when it's going well, that's great. But when there's a problem, that's the true test to know how strong is those relationships and is your direct banking partner able to work efficiently and effectively on your behalf. Another area that I found too when uh, we were working with clients, sometimes the, the management, right, managing those accounts and who has the authority to open 
the accounts and the relationship with the banks. I'll give an example, and you can we can elaborate. There is uh, sometimes the if 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 it's not Treasury managing those relationships, you may end up with another tier within the bank. So someone may can walk up to a branch, and when you're trying to accomplish a bigger scale project, you're just not talking to the right department within the bank that would facilitate what you really need. Absolutely. And and I've seen that with our clients um, at, at Actualize. Sometimes someone is dealing with a big four bank and, and maybe we're in, in an implementation with a TMS with that client. And we let them know that, yes, it, you know, it should be seamless because this bank have lots of experience transmitting bank statements. And then you find out that that banking relationship wasn't opened by the centralized treasury organization. It was opened by an ancillary department because there was a, a very urgent need. And that account is open via a branch like you and I might go to open an account. But the expectation is that they're going to offer the same treasury services. And basically, they have a bank account. But that bank account is not within the Treasury Services Organization. So when the client goes to try and ask for bank statements and transmission and wants to talk about a BAI format versus an MT940 format, they're not even on the right platform or a platform to enable that. Um, And then also with banking portals, they might have a banking portal, but it's not the banking portal that is the most effective and able to leverage all of the bank's services um, around the globe because they're not in the, the, the treasury um, platform. And so that we, we find that um, often with uh, smaller clients or with clients who accounts are open by groups other than treasury. So as a best practice, we recommend having a policy where when a bank account needs to be opened, um, goes through the approval process of the treasury organization. What are uh, other issues, Sandra, that you're seeing uh, the corporates are facing in in relation to bank relationship management? Well, one of the things that I think we've seen through the pandemic is the consequences of of mergers and acquisitions uh, happening. And with that, just like a corporate has Uh, Slowdowns is probably not the right word, but you're working on your own organization structure and trying to transform your business processes. Many uh, clients right now are working with banking partners that don't have the same turnaround time for resources for projects because they're working on their own transformation or there are delays due to that transformation. There's changes in account numbers, changes in systems platforms, and it causes inefficiencies for the client. What are the things you companies need to think about when they do M&A and they're looking at the account structure? There was also a large turnover in the market, right? We see even people that we know, they're moving other companies, going from one client of ours to another, and they run into those companies and they people start giving all sorts of reasons of not closing bank accounts, right? We see that very usual. They have not an ideal landscape, but there is a reason or excuse for everything. So what are your thoughts there, Sandra? Within the treasury organization, I think the first thing is to truly get it on paper, talking about KPIs. Decide that you have a goal 
to reduce your number of bank accounts and or your banking relationships, if that's appropriate. And then from there, start to measure it. And how do you measure it? You're always going to hear reasons. Document what those reasons are and get details about them. Understand where the information is coming from and truly understand how the history of that reason came about. Was it because of an acquisition that you wound up having that particular account open? Was it because a certain department was managing the relationship? Was it because your your business process, your sales process was a certain way and someone, one bank was able to provide a service that maybe many other banks can provide now but wasn't before? I think it's important to really know the details of all those quote-unquote reasons not excuses, but reasons, and then start to prioritize the ones that you're able to handle. Also with your internal stakeholders, you're building a relationship to not just say no, but to truly understand we're all trying to be the most efficient to provide the best service to the various departments within the organization. And the only way to do that is to also have an efficient structure. There always will be exceptions, but I'd say if you had a hundred exceptions, you can always whittle that down to easily by half and most likely much more than that. Yeah. Some reasons that I've seen being valid, there are certain, um, and that may include foreign jurisdiction, but taxes implication, there are certain situations uh, in some markets that only certain banks would provide that kind of service, right? So that has related to to tax. I have clients that banks are their clients and they want to foster that relationship. But even in that situation, there are certain processes such as accounts payable that can be channeled more, more efficiently, right? And then your concentration accounts and things like that. So there's definitely opportunities. And, you know, that's, part of what we do at Actualize, right? We we take a step back and we help guide this type of situation, helping them set up account, help our clients with account structures. And and then even, Sandra, on this note, like, what do you so see? Can I, can I go back to that comment that you made about, not necessarily regulations, but when a client is dealing with, has to deal with certain banks? Because I think um, that's also a concern or, or something that a lot of treasurers in their organizations are dealing with um, that come up as reasons, you know, reasons why we have to have a certain bank. And I would say the one that I've seen that is the most prevalent that is true is contractual, but every reason can provide some guidance of either how to do things differently in the future Meaning, if it's a true reason, my contracts are that way, then maybe you want to take a look at how are your contracts designed for the future so that they don't have to be that way. There are other instances where if it absolutely is necessary, then like you were saying, work around that process so that if you absolutely have to have certain banking partners, make sure that you're leveraging that and that you're getting the most out of that relationship. And wallet sharing too, right? So there is that concept as well. And treasurers try to be fair with all their bankers if they're in their syndication. Treasurers know it's best practice to streamline, to have an efficient banking landscape. We're not saying here you have to bank with one bank because that's 
really not the case. Uh, we you gotta have be more strategic. That's what we are saying here, right? So, if a company is not strategic approaching their banking relationship, what are the consequences that you see often? Without an efficient structure, every piece of the process flow is elongated. So you spend more time with your execution. You spend more time thinking about your funding. You spend more time trying to concentrate your cash to invest it. You spend more time to reconcile. It's inefficiencies in a process which lead to costs and also additional banking fees because you're paying for more pieces to execute an entire process. So you may you may land in a situation that you don't have the visibility that you need or and and, and it is costly, right? The technology needs to be enhanced. You might end up with more technology costs. Uh, your team is structured. You may need more people given how you may land. So it's it, it, there are some deep consequences. I mean, we are all in favor of strategy and and wallet sharing and having the appropriate level, you know, that that's where we see and where we can definitely help. What are what are KPIs? I mean, how, we, we talked about KPIs earlier. How do we measure this, right? Like what are KPIs? Well, we use it here, but we also recommend. So we talked about that earlier in terms of KPIs for accounts that are exceptions. And I would, I would add that also for banks that are exceptions. Um, if you have a treasury policy where other departments can open accounts, uh, you want to keep track of that for what, what are the actual reasons so that you are making sure that you are keeping in line with uh, treasury's goals to be most efficient. Aside from those specific KPIs, I would say also you want to consider the service levels that you're getting from your banking partners. And I know how arduous that can be because I was a practitioner myself. So I, I can't say I, I love trying to keep track of all the metrics, but what it does do is it really helps to enable the conversation when you are tracking what's going right with your um, issues that are being resolved and what's going wrong. And it really highlights to management and to your own operation within Treasury of Who's really providing you the best service? When you have an issue, how long is it taking to get resolved? And how many phone calls do you need to make? Or do you even need to make a phone call? My best bankers came to me to, told, to tell me that I might want to consider changing something or they saw an issue that needed to be resolved without me trying to keep track of it. Um, and that's the best relationship where you're truly working in a partnership where your bank is letting you know how your banker is letting you know how you can be more efficient, the new innovative ideas that are out there. Um, and then you're also coming to the bank to let them know what your challenges are, what your strategy is. Um, and I think that partnership of both sharing what your plans are, where you are and where you want to go helps to build that partnership. There is a cost to it for the bank, but there is a, a lot of value too, right? So I think sometimes people zoom, companies may zoom in on fees, but that that is just one component of the big picture. Absolutely. You know, and I think I've been in some uh, client engagements at Actualize where we go through an RFP to select a bank and you ask a, a ton of detailed questions. but 
What's also very important is the relationship, the way you communicate, the people who are on the team. That's also really important. And it's not really always possible to capture it in a question, in an actual RFP. But I'd say, and I think I've done this as I was a practitioner, um, a big part of that RFP process for me was the presentation and the building of the relationship during the RFP process. How were my questions handled? Did people understand what I was asking? And if they didn't understand, did they bring the right people to help liaise to get the real dialogue going, or were they giving just giving me a blanket answer? That truly was eye-opening to how the relationship will be when they're chosen. Um, and I think a lot of people may skip over that portion of the RFP or not give it as much weight. And at the end of the day, it's people who solve the problems. Tools help them, but it's a personal relationship. Thank you so much, Sandra. It was it was great chat. Finally, I think we can go on and on talk about banking. <laughs> it's it's a very crucial part of Treasury, and oftentimes the reason why we really put this podcast together is because we see there is inefficiencies out there, and uh, that's what we we've been working on on addressing. Thank you, Priscilla. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Actualizing Success. Make sure to visit us online at www.actualizeconsulting.com where you can explore our service offerings. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or your preferred platform. If you've enjoyed what we talked about today, please consider leaving a review and following us on LinkedIn. If you have any questions or would like to share your opinions with us, please send us a note at podcast at actualizeconsulting.com. We look forward to hearing from you.